Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, well, it is time for another Testimony Tuesday, and this is Pastor Adam with you again, and I am very blessed and privileged to be welcomed by Pastor David Abrahams all the way on the other side of the planet in New Zealand. Welcome to this episode, Pastor Abrahams. Thanks very much, Pastor Adam. Looking forward to uh, having a having a good talk. Yeah, me too, me too. Well, um, so I, I have to uh, admit that uh, before a few weeks ago, I didn't know who you were. And uh, my, one of my challenges for Testimony Tuesday going forward on this podcast is I want to kind of reach out beyond, you know, my little sphere of people that I know. And and to do that, I just kind of started looking through the, the pastor's uh, mailing list book that we, we all have. And so uh, I've always been naturally curious about New Zealand and that that area of the world. And and so uh, you were the first, your, your name starts with A, your last name. So you were the first one there on the list. And so I, I happened to see you were on WhatsApp and reached out and you were very kind to respond. And uh, so I, it's, it's really nice to meet you. And for the, the audience that, um, that also doesn't know you, maybe you can give us a short intro and tell us uh, where you're pastoring and, and, and you know, where, where you live. Okay, fine. Um, I was actually sent out of the Perth Church, uh, the Beachborough Church, which uh, Pastor Tom Payne was recently um, uh, pastoring in. Um, I was sent out in 1990, so that was over 30 years ago, uh, into the nation of New Zealand and the city of Rotorua. And so um, Rotorua is a city of about 60,000 people. And, um, yeah, we've just been doing a work here. We've been doing, uh, obviously, uh, over the years, uh, lots has changed. Things have uh, people have come and gone and so on, but we've kind of remained uh, <laughs> remained in in place here the whole time. So it's been a blessing, um, and uh, yeah, that just uh, God's been doing some good stuff, and we're 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 currently, uh, I guess, in a in a place where we're, I guess, rebuilding after lockdown. That's what we're we're, we're currently involved in. Yeah, I think that's that's fairly common across many churches. It's been uh, been a wild ride. Well, uh, Pastor David, you you mentioned you are from the Beachborough Church in, sorry, that's in Perth, West West Australia, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, and uh, and so well, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about your your family background and where you grew up and and some of the influences in your life. Absolutely. Um, so, look, my story really begins, I guess, with uh, uh, prior to when I was born. Um, I'm actually from a Jewish family. Um, both of my parents are Jewish, and uh, both of my uh, ancestors, or bo on both sides, they kind of originally came out of the uh, what was White Russia at the time, um, which is around the Lithuania 
uh, where Lithuania is now. Um, and so, uh, my, Pastor uh, David, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you, but we might be related. This is a, already a very similar history to my my family as well. Although uh, our family was Russian Orthodox Jews, which came out of the Ukraine area. Well, okay. Well, there you go. I'm 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 I'm, I'm blessed to, to, to be speaking to another uh, Messianic Jew. Then, in that case, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, well, uh, Lithuania is a little bit further north, but um, basically the story is is that uh, in 1905 there were many uh, pogroms happening at the time. The Russian Cossacks were, uh, uh, you know, persecuting the Jews in their little shtetls or the, the the villages around there, and so there was a big migration out of Jews. Uh, sorry, out of that at that time, out of um, uh, you know the area between Poland and Russia. Uh, to England and then ultimately on to America for many of them, but a lot of them stayed in London, uh, which my ancestors did. And so uh, that's the stock that I'm from. Um, uh, I was actually born in London in 1961, uh, and uh, both of my parents were uh, members of the London Orthodox Synagogue, um, but they wanted to get out of England, uh, the weather, would, you know, mum was uh, had rheumatism and so she wanted to move out. Um, there was some family issues and so on. So they uh, decided to move to Western Australia. Uh, uh, my dad was an optician uh, and uh, he found himself a job in Perth in Western Australia and moved out there in 1963. So I was, uh, I think I was 20 months old when we moved. Um, uh, and then when we got there, I believe Dad was probably about six months, uh, or my parents were about six months in Perth. My, I had an older sister as well. My my younger brother was born in in uh, in Perth. And then uh, Dad saw a business opportunity in a country town called Geraldton, uh, which interestingly enough is a place where Paul O'Neill, who you interviewed a few weeks ago, um, he was saved. And so I was actually brought up in Geraldton, which is a small country town in Western Australia. Um, uh, of at that stage, about maybe only, you know, twelve or fifteen thousand people or something. And so the the reason I, I kind of gave you that background is because um, my whole testimony really relates to the fact that I was a, a Jewish boy, but born into a or, or, or at least growing up in a place where there were no other Jews, so we were the only Jewish family. Um, and uh, I can remember in the early days, uh, my mum and dad used to keep the, uh, you know, keep the the kind of rituals that Jews do. So on Friday, we'd, she'd light the candles and say Seder and, and do all that kind of thing. But um, we were basically, um, you know, separated from the, uh, the rest of the Jewish community. So I kind of grew up as a very, you know, from so basically my earliest memories aren't of Perth, but they're of Geraldton. And uh, and so it, for me, it was just growing up in a place where uh, being Jewish meant that I was different and um, uh, didn't have any kind of people uh, of around my own age or, or even any other families that were of that place. And so I guess a defining point in my life uh, for me, it was when I was five years old, I was uh, um, just in, in the first grade at school. And uh, so these other boys found out that I was Jewish. And so they d took it upon themselves to, you know, kind of um, uh, pick on me and beat me up every every playtime or every recess time. And, uh, and so this kind of went on for, you know, virtually every day uh, for, uh, I guess, a number of months. 
And uh, and so, you know, school time for me just became a time when when I was uh, at recess time, I'd be kind of running away from this uh, group of about four or five kids that wanted to be, uh, bash me up. And so that kind of was a defining point for me because it, it, it got to the stage where um, I remember walking home from school one day and I was thinking, if, if this is what God is all about, um, I, well, I, I don't believe in him, you know, I, I, and so I must have, I don't recall really thinking too much about whether God existed, but I believe that I must have exist, uh, thought that he did up until that time. But at that time, uh, I remember walking home and saying, God, I don't even know why these, you know, why these kids are doing this to me uh, because I don't, you know, I don't even, I don't even know what I believe, but they're picking on me because supposedly I killed Jesus or my, my, uh, my ancestors killed Jesus and so on. And so, um, so I, I remember I looked up to heaven and I said some kind of cryptic words, which were basically, God, I don't believe in you. So at the same time, as I was saying, as I was talking to God, I told him that I didn't believe in him, which is kind of, you know, that was, that was how it was in my yeah. five-year-old mind. And so from that point on, I was extremely cynical about everything to do with God and particularly um, anything to do with Jesus. So uh, I became what, you know, what I could, you could basically call, call an atheist um, uh, at, at the age of five years old, which is pretty early to make that kind of decision. I would but, say so, yeah. Yeah, but it was just kind of, and then it was in me. And from that point on, I was extremely cynical, just uh, used to mock anybody that would speak about any kind of spiritual things. I wanted nothing to do with... Um, well, I couldn't have anything to do with with, with synagogue, or, or obviously because we were we were separated from the Jewish community anyway. Um, uh, but my my dad, you know, tried to teach me Hebrew when I was about five or, or maybe six or seven years old, and I I was adamant that I didn't want to know anything about it. Um, you know, when I was thirteen, uh, bar mitzvah time comes around, and so I told dad, "Look, I don't believe in God, so you know, I'm not Jewish, so I'm not going to do it." And he said listen, I want you to do it because you might want to be Jewish sometime, you know, sometime later on, and you, you know, you need to be bar mitzvahed. So I did that under, under duress. <laughs> um, and um, uh, basically we went down to Perth and I remember going through the whole process, which to me was a total farce because, um, because I didn't know any Hebrew and it was the Orthodox synagogue. You had to, had to recite a, a portion of the Torah um, in Hebrew, and of course, I didn't know any, and so the rabbi just made a uh, made a cassette for me at that stage, uh, and uh, just just um, you know recited the whole portion of scripture that I was supposed to read, which I couldn't read anyway. <laughs> and so what I did was I learned the whole lot parrot fashion, which to me proved even more that it was just a total, you know, it was just ridiculous it was it didn't mean anything to me other than the fact that I'd get some presents <laughs> you know from from being bar mitzvah so uh yeah and so basically I grew up in in pretty much a secular community um and uh um, basically was a very secular person in, in my own in my own mind you know I, um uh there were friends of mine at school that did go to church but again I just mock them um and laugh at them and so on and so uh uh, there was never any real Christian influence in my life or any any kind of wanting to do with anything to do with God at all. Pastor David, I'm curious, how important was your parents' faith to them? And it, and if it was, you know, more than just a, a passing kind of 
uh, religious front. Um, were they, what was their reaction to this rejection that you had very early on in your life? Uh, well, they had kind of made the decision. And so I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, when, when people move away from church uh, and they, you know, basically, or they don't come to church for a while, we as pastors understand, or even most Christians would understand that you need to be around, you know, a, a faith community in order to, um, you know, keep your faith. And so they made the decision to move, you know, firstly away from the synagogue in London and then secondly away from the uh, the Jewish people that had welcomed them into the uh, Perth synagogue when, when they, uh, you know, when they moved up to Geraldton. And so, um, and so me making that decision wasn't really a big deal because my dad, uh, he became more and more, you know, basically we became very, very secular. So they were Jews and they had been part of a, a vibrant, I suppose, Jewish community. But I, 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 you know, when I look back on it and after, I only found that that's years and years and years later, but my dad um, himself went through a kind of traumatic experience when he was 16. Um, his mum died uh she had a brain hemorrhage or something like that and she was uh, she was crooked for a, or sick for a while before she actually died and uh i didn't even know this but he told my wife this years and years later that um um he had prayed to god you know to heal his mum and his mum didn't get healed and so from that time even from the time he was 16 he was kind of he was you know angry at god and whatever and so he he pretty much moved away from his faith, even though we used to go through the rituals. So every year, um, you know, uh, we would fast on the Day of Atonement, you know, for that day. And and uh, I can remember, you know, Dad even, you know, there with the, uh, the the Hebrew book of prayers and reading that and so on and, and uh, um, you know, going through all those processes. But it really there was no real actual outworking in our lives other than the fact that, you know, once a Jew, always a Jew. So, so we were secular in the in the way that most Christians are secular, or most people that call themselves Christians are secular. Okay, very good. Um, so that's it's really interesting to me, um, and I, I I don't want to uh, take away from uh, from your story in any way, uh, but just reflecting from my own perspective, um, th- this is very likely to have been my life, unless a few other things had happened. Uh, basically, my my father grew up in a semi-secular religious home, and he had rejected that as a young man. So even though we had kind of the label of a Jewish family, I, I never had even even close to what you had as far as being able to experience the the, the ceremonies and the feast days and, and those kinds of things. So it's very uh, curious, very fascinating for me to hear your story. So so tell me. Um, how did this begin to play out in your teen years and and where did it lead to? Okay, so as a teenager, as I'd already mentioned, I was kind of really cynical about everything. And so um, having said that, though, there was kind of like I recognized um, that there was something, you know, missing in my life and I didn't know what it was. Um, and so I remember, you know, at school, um, every now and then, like with a, with a group of guys that I used to hang around with, a group of people I used to hang around with at school, um, I remember kind of, um, you know, just mockingly saying, oftentimes I kind of use it as a bit of a, 
uh, you know, just an intro or whatever. What is the meaning to life itself? And I kind of say that, but in my mind, I didn't really believe there was an answer to that question. So what is the meaning to life itself? You know, I'd say that on various occasions, but it wouldn't actually have any kind of, uh, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think there was an answer to that. You're, and so you're just using this as a conversation starter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, it was kind of like a you know, funny thing or whatever that I'd say. But but when I look back on it, I said I really was wishing that there was a, a meaning to life because I didn't actually see any. Um, and uh, because I was a thinking person, you know, I thought I thought about a lot of different philosophies and so on. I remember one time uh, when I was about fourteen, saying to one of my mates at school, you know, I've kind of thought about this, and I think the best philosophy in life is is communism. You know, because communism, everybody's equal, and there's nobody. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, nobody richer than anybody else. And uh, we're all, you know, we're all um, exactly the same and so on and so on. And that's kind of good way. So I kind of thought that in my mind, not realizing, of course, you know, what was entailed, but as a 14 year old, you think you know everything anyway. And so, <laughs> and so um, I kind of, you know, dis discussed philosophies and so on and kind of thought that, you know, that was kind of the way to go. And so, um, so what it was growing up in a small, uh, in a coastal town in Western Australia was that I, I got into, uh, the whole surfing lifestyle. And so, um, I was, uh, avid surfer for years and years and years and kind of that basically became, you know, my life, um, um, it, you know, revolved around going to school. And then as soon as school would be finished, I'd be down the beach and going surfing all the time, which kind of. Um, and, you know, surfing and drugs go together. And so when, when I was about 16 or 15 or 16, I think it was when I first, uh, you know, was introduced to marijuana and so on. So I got into that um, in, a, in a small way, just as a young person. But then what happened was when I left school, I um, went to university in Perth. Uh, so I moved to the big city and that was where I kind of just went went uh well didn't so much go wild but basically gave into my <laughs> you know lower instincts and so on and just got involved in partying and all that kind of thing and um and uh, uh you know got more into drugs in a big way in fact i remember um having a, a photo taken for an id card when i joined university um in january i think it was uh, 19 gee whiz, i can remember now 1979 i guess it was um, and so, um, uh, but then six months later, having another photo taken for an ID card, cause I dropped out of university and went to another one. Um, and, uh, l the difference between the two photos was, was, was really, uh, noticeable, you know, because I'd just come from, you know, living on the beach and being brown and surfing all the time. And, and, uh, and then uh, six months later, I had another photo when I was kind of, pale and pasty and drug addled and looking tired and so on because because that's that's all I did at university I, I certainly wasn't there to study I was there to have a good time or what I thought was a good time and uh and so uh really I just kind of became involved in just partying and drugs and so on and so on and and uh um just felt kind of really empty I remember one time because my dad would send me money um, you know, in order to support myself while I was, while I was at university. And uh, I would wait for that money to come into the bank account. And I remember, uh, for some reason, I remember it used to come in every Tuesday. And it was only a small amount of money. It was pocket money because I'd already paid for my accommodation and everything. So they were kind of looking after me, but I, was, I wasn't appreciative in the slightest. Um, I was just wanting to do what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, and so every time when that money would come in, 
I'd instantly go out and just buy, you know, buy buy um, marijuana with it and just uh, smoke it all up and and party until I <laughs> till I had some money come into for the next week. And I remember doing that. And so at the same time as I'm doing this, thinking I'm living life and doing what I want to do, um, I was also feeling really really guilty about the fact that I was doing that. You know, my parents were supporting me and looking after me, and and you know, and I was just I was just wasting it, you know, just, just, uh, and I remember like having a feeling of guilt go along with my feeling of I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, that went on for, I guess a, a year and I dropped out of university because I, as I said, I wasn't really interested in studying. I, um, I began to just, uh, get, uh, jobs. Uh, I, I started off back in Geraldton again, I went back to Geraldton and got a job there, but then I moved on and, uh, started getting work um, in different places around the, the country. I, I just worked on a shearing team for a little while. And then I worked as a, a trade assistant in in a mining for a mining company and just kind of did all these jobs, digging ditches and stuff like that. And, and uh, um, I remember thinking that at that stage, you know, that I was um, at least I was, you know, experiencing life, you know, because I remember meeting one guy at university when I was drinking with him one time and he'd, he'd been around university for maybe 10 years and he had three degrees under his belt and, uh, but he was, and he had an opinion on everything, but um, uh, he obviously had no life experience. And I remember kind of thinking, yeah, I don't want to end up like that. You know, this guy was spouting off dribbling drunk at the, at the pub and, uh, you know, full of full of uh, head knowledge, but no no experience of life. And so, I guess I tried to experience life a little bit. And um, it was while I was uh, working up north in a mine for a mining company. I was actually staying in touch with a friend of mine. Um, so I, I, let me just back up a little bit. So um, when I left. Um, university and went back to Geraldton I there was a couple of times when I, I I can remember one specific time when I went to I was going to the pub uh which is the bar or whatever you call it in the states um so um and a couple of friends of mine there was two girls and me were walking down the main street of town and what happened was that um uh a, there was a, a, a church that had just started up. I didn't really, you know, it was the Potter's House and uh, it had just started up and people had, this was in the early 80s. And so people, um, when when the Geraldton Church started, it was just a radical, radical, radical church. And so we were just walking down the main street and all of a sudden a guy I knew from school just jumped out at me and said, hey, you know, come into the concert. There's, you know, we're having a concert here. And so I'm like, uh, no, because <laughs> I, I knew I knew he'd become a Christian, and, I knew, and I, you know, he was kind of a bit of a weird character anyway. And so I didn't want to have anything to do with him. But the girls I was with said, no, 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 come on, let's go and check out this concert. And I'm, I'm sort of saying, no, you don't want to do that. You know, they're Christians; uh, they're kind of wild. You know, they're kind of weird, and so on. And uh, and so anyway, they persuaded me. We went in, and uh, they had a, you know, like a typical Potter's House concert. People sharing their testimonies and you know, um, uh, praising God in tongues and all that kind of thing. And all I remember sitting there was just thinking, these people are really, really weird, you know. They've all got these, you know, they've all got these stupid grins on their faces and, uh, you know, they're kind of praise the Lord and hallelujah and all that. And I'm just like so totally, you know, that's so totally not my scene. I don't want to know about it. Um, uh, but what happened was that basically a number of my friends uh, started getting saved and joined that particular church. 
What, what was and the year? So, uh, this would have been 1981, I guess, or thereabouts. Yeah, probably 81. And so uh, the church in Geraldton, I believe, started in 1980 or 81. I'm not quite sure. So it was, just, it, was it basically took off with a real bang. It just, you know, they started off with a concert um, uh, to which a number of my friends, school friends, and, and went along and got saved at that on that, you know, first night. And I think they started off, you know, instantly had about 100 people in the church, and uh, it kind of grew from there. Um, so it was a you know, it was a radical church, not that I was interested in it at the time. All I knew was that a couple of friends of mine had, you know, joined this church and they'd gone all, you know, religious and weren't smoking dope anymore or drinking. So, so as far as I was concerned, it wasn't, well, wasn't something so, I wanted to know about. <laughs> so it sounds like you had had some exposure with some people who had true conversion experiences. And I, but I'm, I'm curious, what were you thinking about them or, or maybe you were trying not to think about them? Well, you know, um, being in the drug lifestyle at that stage, you know, Chich and Chong was pretty big. And I remember one thing, uh, um, I remember one skit from, from Chich and Chong, if I'm allowed to share that as a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll make an exception. Uh, well, I remember... Um, If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.